UPCI General Superintendent Dr. David K. Bernard is widely recognized as one of the most influential scholars and leaders in the Apostolic Pentecostal movement. In this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, Dr. Bernard looks back at the individuals who profoundly influenced his life and shares how they helped shape his leadership and ministry. Welcome to Apostolic Life in the 21st Century, a podcast dedicated to helping modern-day believers live out the teachings of the first-century church. This podcast is part of the teaching ministry of Dr. David K. Bernard. Dr. Bernard has dedicated his life to studying the Bible and helping believers apply its message to their daily lives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. This week's episode is a little different than maybe some of our previous episodes. Now, most people are pretty familiar with your uh, your bio. You're obviously a very influential leader in the apostolic Pentecostal movement. You and Sister Bernard started a network of churches in Austin, Texas. You've taught and preached all over the world. You're the general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. And I think maybe the most significant contribution that you have made is all the books that you've written, which are going to continue to influence people long after even your uh, life is over. So even in this podcast, you're you're influencing people. But the question I wanted to ask today is, you'd probably be the first to acknowledge that you didn't accomplish all this by yourself. Who have been the primary influences in your life? Who is it that helped shape you into the person, the leader that you are today? Certainly, there have been key people that shaped my life. And I would have to say, first and foremost, my father and mother. They were highly influential in my life. Uh, when I was eight years old, our family went as the pioneer United Pentecostal missionaries to the country of Korea. At that time, Korea was a very poor country. Uh, most people lived in abject poverty. Um, I was very thankful to be an American citizen with all the benefits and to have a middle-class life even in a poor country. But more than that, spiritually, my parents were apostolic, Pentecostal. They loved God. They were committed to God. They loved people. Both my father and mother were credentialed United Pentecostal ministers for over 50 years. And it's interesting, my father's style of ministry was more pastoral and organizational. So he was the leader of the organization. He was highly organized, and he liked to talk about church growth, uh, church government, and he taught in the Bible college. He was the president of the Bible college. He liked to teach on the pastoral epistles, the general epistles, kind of practical Christian living and practical ministry. So as I became a teenager, he would love to engage me in those kind of discussions of how do we grow a church? What's our strategy for planting more churches in Korea? What's our strategy for training ministers? He didn't really talk a lot about doctrine because his attitude was, I know what I believe, so why keep endlessly discussing it. Let's let's go to other things. My mother, on the other hand, was an uh, interesting combination. She was a very evangelistic, and she was also a teacher. So my dad could preach a pastoral message on Sunday morning that would establish the church. My mom could teach an evangelistic message that would have people on the altar consecrating, repenting, crying out to God. She can move an audience in a way um, that was greater than than anybody else that I encountered. But then she was also a Bible college teacher, and she loved to teach doctrine. So as I became a teenager, she was constantly asking me questions about doctrine and challenging me. Uh, based on Really based on her, I developed, if you take my study Bible from that time, the back of it is just filled with pages of questions and notes on the oneness of God, the new birth, holiness, other key doctrines. And actually, 
much later, I took that as the basis for a little booklet called Handbook of Basic Doctrines, which consists of scripture references under each major doctrine. And it's often used as a reference for people. You can stick it in your coat pocket or your purse or something. But really, the genesis of that came. It was my mother's questions and challenges and asking me to dig into scripture. So they molded my character. They were very hard workers. They were very sacrificial they were they they had a faith-filled ministry i saw many miracles signs and wonders so my commitment to doctrine and my belief in revival growth missions miracles all that comes primarily from my parents ministry obviously they were influenced as well but i would have to say my father and my mother by far the most important two influences in my whole life not only giving me a stable home a christian upbringing but their ministry in in the word and in the spirit. Uh, so having said that. And not, not yes. to interrupt you, I guess I am interrupting you, but they were the ones that initially inspired you to start writing, correct? Yes. In fact, the very first book I wrote is In Search of Holiness. At that time, this was 1980 when we had this discussion. I was in law school. I was 23 years old. I wasn't planning to be a preacher, didn't feel a call to preach, although I was very involved in the church including some speaking and teaching. But uh, there was no book on oneness, uh, on holiness in the entire apostolic movement. And, and so there's a great gap. And especially as the charismatic movement was rising, as culture is coming or secular, our basic teachings of holiness were coming under attack increasingly. And we had no resource. So my mother taught on holiness in the Bible college in Korea. So she had a set of notes, but they were, they were not in a, a narrative form at all. So my dad asked if I would take her notes and write a book. So that's what I did. And there were some gaps. So I inserted a lot of material. Um, and then I took the materials there and turned it from just an outline into full text. And so that was in search of holiness. Prior to that, had you ever given any thought to writing as a minister? Not really, not as a ministry. Now, I'd written some. I'd, I'd taken literature courses in high school and college, which forced me to write. So I did have skills, and, and I would have to give credit to key teachers who helped me develop uh, critical thinking, writing, speaking, all that I was greatly benefited in my high school, Seoul Foreign School, and in, in my college, Rice University, and then later University of Texas Law School. I did get a lot of skills from the, that study and those professors, but um, I never really thought about theological writing until my dad asked me to do this. And we actually submitted the book uh, to the Pentecostal Publishing House at that time, and they turned it down because they thought we didn't have anything on holiness, but they thought it might be too controversial because people had different beliefs. So we self-published it, and uh, my parents came back on furlough. They were traveling across the U.S. and Canada, and so they took boxes of books wherever they went, and they sold them, and I made contacts with Bible colleges, bookstores. So we ended up selling I think the two printings out in a few months. So by the third printing, the publishing house said, okay, we'll take it. And so that was my first book. And so, yes, it was my dad and my mom. My dad made the direct request. I, I think he realized I had the ability to write, and it was my mom's study materials. Uh, so from that, that really, I began to realize the need for written material in, in lots of areas. And, and so I began to write to fill that need. And now you've written how many books that have been? Well, oh, 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 at least 30, not counting the booklets. Uh, so 
30 books. And in almost every case, I'm trying to fill in gaps of our theology where we had either very little or nothing written on these subjects. So I wanted an apostolic perspective on the, on these topics. So when I came back, uh, when I age 17, I graduated from high school. I moved from Korea back to the United States to go to college in Houston, Texas. Uh, my pastor was CLDs and he was a self-taught man, but highly, um, intelligent and articulate. He's one of the best preachers in Pentecost, had a large church at that time, about 1,100 people. Uh, so I learned much about pastoral ministry and preaching from sitting under CLDs. And then in law school, I went to a small church, B.E. Moore. He gave me opportunities for ministry of various kinds of ministry. Um, and then that's eventually where I felt the call to preach. My first full-time ministry was teaching at Jackson College of Ministries under the president, Thomas Kraft, and the vice president, Alan Ogg. So again, I learned much. Brother Kraft maybe gave me the opportunity. I learned much in pastoral ministry from observing him, sitting under him. And then Alan Ogg's, you know, I became his assistant in every way administratively. So I learned things by experience, by doing things. You know, when you learn by doing, you learn some of the things you learn what you don't, you won't do. And some things are what you do, but you have to appreciate the fact that people give you the opportunity to actually do because that's how you learn. Well, and, interesting too, and, that it would be in yes. a Bible college context, yes. you know, something that would be, you'd do a lot of later. Right, right. Uh, and then when I came to St. Louis, after that, I came to St. Louis to become the associate editor for the UPCI. The editor in chief was J.L. Hall. And so, uh, aside from my parents, I would probably say he's the third most significant mentor in my life because I learned much about writing, editing, theology, ministry. Uh, you know, a, a national and international perspective, things I'm doing now, you know, I, many things were things we discussed as how things should be, how things were, how things could be, what was right, what was wrong. So J.L. Hall was an extremely influential uh, mentor in my life. Then from there, of course, I served under district superintendent in Texas, E.L. Holly, uh, under district superintendent James Kilgore. In starting Urshan Graduate School, the chairman of the board was Jesse Williams, assistant general superintendent. So those men, although my ministry was now mature, you might say, still they were very respected leaders in my life that I interacted with on a regular basis. And so I learned much from them. Now, there were other key leaders that I knew, uh, but I wasn't interacting with them on a regular basis. So I've just mentioned those that... Um, that I felt had a significant influence on my life. And then I, I would be remiss if I didn't say, of course, my wife. We grew up in ministry together, you might say. And so her personality and her way of doing things you know, over the years, she's become a little more like me. I've become a little more like her. So I'm much better at uh, being more sensitive to people uh, because of her. And, um, and then my mother-in-law also has been a great influence of prayer and encouragement. Even before I dated my wife, even before she even liked me, my mother-in-law was in the church as a leader, and she and I had a good working relationship. And so I'd have to say my family, and now my kids are all grown, and they're all in ministry, and so I learned a lot from them. So I talked to them about what's going on currently, how how do young people and young adults and young ministers perceive things and what's at the cutting edge of technology or culture 
And so I have to stay in touch with them to give me perspective as well. So it's not just uh, you you get to the top, so to speak, and you've arrived and you coast, but life is a continual learning process. But in the formative years, I would say my father, Elton Bernard, my mother, Loretta Bernard, and and the, my boss, uh, J.L. Hall, were the most influential ministerial um, figures in my life. Thank you for listening to this episode of Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. We also appreciate it when you share Apostolic Life in the 21st Century with a friend or family member. And make plans to join us again next time as we look at how the Bible applies to everyday life.